Hello, everyone. I'm Jackson Swear, entrepreneur and navigator for Startup Hutch and your host for The Hot Seat. For this episode, I sat down with Brett Henry, a member of the Startup Hutch board and a partner at Adams Brown, a local CPA and accounting firm. Brett talks about a number of different topics that will be very interesting for new startup entrepreneurs and people who are thinking about starting a business. We cover a wide range of subjects related to accounting and business, from balance sheets and profit and loss statements to different entity structures, as well as just generally speaking about the importance of paying attention to how money flows through your business. I hope you'll take a listen. To get us started, can you tell me your name and where you work? I am uh, Brett Henry with Adams Brown. All right, great. So uh, what is Adams Brown? We are an accounting firm that specializes in a multiple of different accounting aspects. We do audits, tax planning, wealth management. We have IT services, outsourced CFO, outsourced controllers, outsourced bookkeeping, a lot of different things in accounting. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. And um, I'm glad to have you on today to share with some of our listeners some of the most important, you know, kind of best practices around accounting for small business and for startups and entrepreneurs. And I know that you personally have helped a lot and that your firm have worked with a whole bunch of businesses through the years. So I'm excited for this conversation. Um, to get us started off, though, can you maybe give us a little bit of background on your own personal experience Uh kind of in the accounting world, what took you there, What, why you found that interesting? How did you end up in this career as a partner at Adams Brown? Great question, Jackson. So back in high school is, is when I figured out that I might like accounting. And so I took the military ASVAB test and it said, you might be good at accounting. So I took an accounting class in high school and, and it came easy. So then I was like, ah, Maybe that's what I should major in as a senior in high school. So I went to college at Fort Hayes and, and started my accounting career there and really enjoyed the accounting classes that came naturally. And, you know, Fort Hayes did that there. Uh, started then with Adams Brown in 2006 as an intern. And, you know, really... Enjoyed the firm, enjoyed the people there, enjoyed the learning experiences, and, and really truly being able to help clients more than just preparing a tax return for them. It's it's much, much more than that that we do. It's really helping them build their net worth. It's helping them minimize taxes over a lifetime more than year to year. And, and so that was kind of the, the mindset of the firm at that point in time, and it still is today. Uh, so... In 2017, I had the opportunity to move to Hutchison to further my career and to become a partner and, and that. And so I, we took the, the leap of faith and, and moved the entire family to Hutchison and, you know, have really enjoyed the community since we moved here. That's great. And I um, thank you for moving here to Hutchinson. And I know uh, you've, you've been involved in the community and we should probably share that um, Brett is a member of our Startup Hutch board as well. So you, you volunteer your time and talents in a number of ways, um, which we're grateful, grateful for. What are some of the most 
surprising lessons that you've learned on the job through the years, the stuff that you didn't learn when you were in school and that you had to pick up along the way? Everything. So accounting is one of those businesses that you learn the theory in college, but you don't learn the practicality. So every lesson, and I tell my staff this today, is every lesson or every first-year staff, the entire first year, it's like another four-year degree in one year. You learn that much. So it's just that starting point and, and there. But some of those, I mean, don't trust the software. <laughs> Been burned on that a few times early in the career and, and try to teach our staff that today. That what, do you, what do you mean by, by don't trust the software? Unpack that a little bit for me. So more of know the end result and make sure the software does it correctly more than anything. It's just because you put a number in somewhere doesn't mean that it's being put on the right place on that tax return or that form. I see. So what's, what's the other side of what, what happens if you trust the software and it, uh, and it goes badly? Maybe that's a well, then it becomes IRS correspondences or Kansas correspondences or or they don't catch it and it just somebody else catches it, like another accountant. And, and so I always say our reputation is, is what we, we you know hold in front of us. Nobody can take that away from you, but they can sure tarnish it. And, and so I always want to make sure that whatever we do is doing it right. Let's talk for just a moment about some of the consequences of not doing it right. I think that might be might be helpful for some folks. I'm sure you see people who are coming in who've been kind of doing it on the back of the napkin for a long time, or maybe they're, and, and you know, I see this a lot too in my role, people who are taking something that's been sort of a hobby business on the side for a while that hasn't had really clean books, and now they're trying to turn it into something that's official. You know, what are some of the risks that you run if you're not taking care of those things properly, and then you, you go and get into business? One of the major things that I would see is banking relationships. Um, bankers tend to lend on good financials if we or if everything is being deducted or trying to be deducted that shouldn't be, then the banker is seeing a, uh, a financial that it does not look good. And, and they're going to loan most of the time on good financials. And so it might hamper the ability to obtain a loan to get the proper financing that you should get. And your your interest rate might be higher, or you might have to look to outside sources, or you won't be able to grow as fast as you should be able to. Okay, so on one part, you've got potentially harmed relationships with bankers, harder to get a loan if you don't have good, clean books. You mentioned the kind of the IRS and the state of Kansas. Uh, what happens if you get yourself into hot water with those folks? So IRS audits, Kansas audits are never fun for anybody involved, including us. Uh, do we help clients with those? Absolutely, we do. They will dig and dig and dig until maybe they do find something, maybe they don't. A lot of times they, they pinpoint certain expenses that they already know they want to look at. And so it's producing proof of that expense. And it's not just a canceled check or a, or a credit card statement that they're looking for. They're actually looking for the invoice from the vendor and then show that it was actually paid and what it was for. And so they can then deem that as non-deductible and, and, and then come back and say, okay, now you owe a lot of tax plus penalties and interest. So you don't want any of that. So now let's talk about the good side. So how do we avoid that as a 
give some practical advice for particularly for people who are just getting started? You know, how would you go about setting things up so that you avoid those kinds of problems? So a lot of it is knowing the rules and, and getting with the right professional to be able to explain to you what is deductible and non-deductible in, in a business. You know, is it a business need? Is it necessary or not? And, and so it's just communication and, and relying on professionals that do this for a living. You know, I've heard it said that the Schedule C is the most audited form for the IRS. Is that, would that hold true based on your experience? Is that, is that a little bit of an overblown statement? I would have to look into that to, to make sure. Uh, a lot of the IRS will audit larger endeavors or red flags. You know, red flags are continually uh, losing bit money in a business on, a, say, a Schedule C or a Schedule F. Uh, continuing to lose money year after year after year, they're going to come back and look and say, okay, is this truly a business or is this a hobby? So so that would be the sort of thing that would trigger a red flag where they'd say, yeah, maybe we're just cooking the books to get some extra deductions for that W-2 income over there, for example. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So don't do that, folks. Uh, that's the thing you want to avoid uh, because you don't want to hire Brett to help you uh, deal with the tax man. Uh, you'd rather just hire somebody who's a professional to help you do it right the first time. What are some of the best tools of the trade in your experience? Is there certain kinds of software? You know, of course, Excel is a really powerful spreadsheet tool. What do you, what do you see people using that works the best? So for, for accounting purposes, we, we generally will have either QuickBooks Online or Xero. Uh, those are two different online platforms for accounting. We like online, we like technology. Uh, there's a lot of automation that can be done uh, for those entrepreneurs that can do a lot of this on their own. So it will help them speed up that process more than anything. You can, you know, there's some others. Uh, Bill, it used to be Bill.com is an accounts payable tool. There's some other tools out there that you can snap pictures on a cell phone. It goes directly into your books. So it's, it's pretty neat and, and efficient for that small entrepreneur so they can continue to do this. So they can see where their money's going. They can track it so they don't have to have somebody else do that for them. So a couple of examples there, the sorts of tools that you should get. So what do you, uh, what's your reaction when you see somebody who comes in and maybe they've got like a, like a written out notepad full of numbers or, or even, even like their own special Excel spreadsheet for, for keeping track of everything? What's, what's, so, what's your reaction to that? So these specialty programs have a, a purpose and a reason. It is to make sure that you're not missing things. That, that's the biggest thing that I would see is on a, if you're filling out a notepad or an Excel sheet, unless there's a check and balance that you know that you're not missing anything, what are we missing? And that's always the question I ask is, okay, you went through expenses and you hand wrote everything. What did you miss? How do you know you didn't miss anything? Right. So I guess maybe I would say the takeaway there is if, if you know for sure that you're not missing anything, you might be able to get away with that. But if you don't know for sure that you know what you're doing, you probably should lean on some software to help you. Uh, yes. And, and the softwares aren't terribly expensive. I think the QuickBooks is $70, $80 a month. Very, very inexpensive because it's going to help you go faster. You're not going to manually input as much as you do. You're not going to have to re-add everything up on a, on a handwritten note or create the formulas in Excel that can that can automate itself, but it takes a long time to build. All right. So I think that's that's a good practical tip. Let's talk about another topic that I think is something that I think is 
sometimes misunderstood by entrepreneurs, which is the differences in taxation between, say, an LLC and a C corporation. And what even is an S corp? Can you talk about that a little bit and talk through some of the tax implications that are related to different entity structures? Yeah. So we will start with a C corporation. A C corporation is its own entity and it pays its own taxes. So it has a, a tax return it fills out and say that business income is $100,000. It will then pay the IRS 21% of $100,000 or $21,000 plus Kansas and that's a kind of a tiered system for on taxation for Kansas. Uh, so there'll be about four thousand dollars. It's a like I said tiered and kind of broken out for for the year on a hundred thousand. So then, in order to remove money from that corporation, the individual will pay tax on that also. So a a C corporation is called we we call it a, a double taxation entity. So not only does the corporation pay the tax, but the individual also pays taxes that receives the money out. So if it were to receive a dividend, then the individual would pay the dividend rate at the same time. So it's generally higher taxation overall. It's a flat 21% for federal, but then the individual tax rate comes into play also. And so if that's a 22% or a 15% rate, that is a 36% tax bracket overall. So it's generally very ineffective for taxes most of the time. Not all the time, but most. Then we can go to an LLC. An LLC does not pay its own taxes. There is, if it's a multi-member LLC, it will pay, it will file a separate tax return. That profit of that $100,000 would be passed through to the individual tax returns, and the individuals will pay the tax at whatever tax bracket they're in. So same instance, $100,000 money passes through. That individual is in a, say, a 22% bracket. Now they're only paying a tiered 22% bracket versus a flat 30, you know, 36%. Plus there's some other deductions that you get uh, currently for being in business as an LLC. It's a 20% extra tax deduction potentially. Not all the time, but just potentially. Now, on an LLC, you also will pay self-employment tax unless it's a rental. And so there's another 15.3% taxation on top of the tax bracket. So yes, it could be higher at the same time. Now, an S-corporation. An S-corporation is taxed at the individual level also. It's also it's considered a pass-through. But what an S-corporation owner has to do is pay themselves a fair wage because the earnings from the S corporation are not taxed for self-employment tax. So the IRS says, hey, we want some of our self-employment tax or our FICA and Medicare, and we want to make sure that we get some. So you have to pay yourself at least a fair wage to do that. So there's quite a lot of complexity there and I would certainly say, from my point of view, this is one of the reasons why you need multiple people on your team if you're trying to start a business, particularly if it's something with any level of complexity. Um, because you not only need to understand all the tax implications of these different entities, but you're also going to need a need an attorney probably to help you to form these entities. Am I right about that, uh, Brett? Would you be helping somebody form one of these entities, or would you send them to send them to an attorney down the road to help with that too? 
we would start and, and and start that process for them. But then I always send the attorney a nice little letter that says, okay, here's the information on the business. Here's things that we want to make sure that the attorney would know to final do the final uh, operating agreement, the organizing documents for that individual business and, and, and that. And then they also have to talk to that individual. Now, if it's a multiple members, then they need to have them together to, you know, figure out what else they want inside that operating agreement for the legal side. So there's uh, multiple parts to that, of course, is the, the accounting tech side, and then there's some more that would go into the operating agreement. That's the reason. Uh, the reason for that. Um, I just think that's really helpful. Uh, hopefully will be helpful for some of our listeners who are thinking about starting out to understand that not only do you want to have a good team of professionals around you, but your professionals can and should work together uh, in service of helping you to grow your business. And that fortunately, we live in a community where we have a lot of people who do work together to help people grow businesses. So I think that's um, really good. What would you say are some of the other topics that are uh, important for a business owner to be considering on, say, a month-to-month basis as they're evaluating their business? So a new entrepreneur should know how to read the financial statements. If they don't, they need to get with somebody or professional or, or somebody else that do, does understand on how what their financials actually mean. All right, so let's back it up and make it a little simpler even. What, uh, what kinds of financial statements should... Uh, business owners be looking at monthly? So if I'm helping somebody, we're going to look what's called a balance sheet, a profit and loss, and we'll look at a cash flow. And and those are just three completely different sets of financials or or sets of of reports that would compile a financial statement. Uh, They each have their own purpose overall. and, And understanding what the purpose is of each one is what's key. All right. So let's start with a balance sheet. What do we learn from a balance sheet? So a balance sheet will show what our assets are and our liabilities are at a certain point in time. So if the the balance sheet says it's as of September 30th, that's the date of the balance sheet. So that's the balances in the checking, the accounts receivable, the inventory, the loans at that point in time. It will also show then the net called equity, you know, the of the financial statement of the business. So you have your assets, you subtract your liabilities to come up with a net worth for the book value of that business. And I think it's supposed to balance, right, uh, appropriate to the name, the liabilities and the equity should add up to the value of the assets, uh, I think. Absolutely. All right, very good. I got my accounting 101 right there. What about a profit and loss statement? And maybe you can blend it into how is it different from a cash flow statement? So the profit and loss is a, it shows the activity of the business at a period of time, not a specific date, but a period. So if we're running a profit and loss from January through September, it's going to show all the activity for those nine months, all the revenue, all the expenses, the depreciation, and, and, and different non-cash items. So then a cash flow would show the actual cash transaction. So sometimes in a business, we have what's called accounts receivable. Accounts receivable is when... Uh, somebody's doing a service somebody and then they bill them. And so on if I'm sending you a bill, Jackson, it says, okay, Jackson, you owe me a thousand dollars. I account for that on my balance sheet and I would put it on my profit loss at that point in time, but I haven't really received the money yet. The cash flow normalizes that to show what the actual cash transactions are. So what would you be looking for um, when you're comparing those two documents with a business owner? Are there certain 
you know, what would be like a red flag that you would look for on maybe just one example um, on a balance sheet or a, or a profit and loss statement? Negative profit's a key one. So, and a lot of times what we do is instead of looking at that as a whole, so instead of looking at the nine months as a whole, I'm going to look at that by month. And we're going to look at trends. We're going to see, okay, what is your, your last three months of revenue? What's that trend look like? It's a, you know, I call it a trending three months report. And, and so we, we trend that over a long period of time and say, okay, is our, our revenue actually going up? Is it going down? What does that look like? What are some indicators for that business that says, okay, yeah, we're doing a good job and we're making more profit or more revenue or, hey, we have a downward trend. What's going on and why? That's where we come in to help the entrepreneurs, help them run their business and, and really pull them out of the weeds to have those conversations with them of what do we see? What can we help with? Uh, what are your goals? But we look at the, the financials a lot of times to, to gather that information. So you're looking at, you know, trend lines on multiple different figures there, like revenue, expenses, net profit. Um, a, a lot of different what we call KPIs, key performance indicators, is, is what we look at. And each industry will have its own uh, that we would look for. What about uh, aging accounts receivable? That's uh, that's something I've heard some complaints about sometimes, folks struggling to get people to pay them on time or pay them at all. Is that something that you could identify through a financial report? And do you have any comments on that as a general problem? So the accounts receivable agent report would be a complete separate report. The balance sheet shows the total accounts receivable that you should also look at then the, the agent report to see, okay, even though I'm out here doing the job for the customer, they're not paying me. That's a problem. If it's getting more than you know, 30, 60, 90 days out, a lot of times your banks will not loan any money. If there's a line of credit, or they won't count for it because they say that's probably going to be uncollectible. And so as a young entrepreneur, I would always recommend you're reviewing that to make sure you're being paid and, and the uh, squeaky wheel gets the grease a lot of times. So if you're calling that business and, hey, you know, we did these services for you, would we be able to get paid versus, oh, they'll pay eventually, uh, that's usually not the right way to look at it. And, and so trying to come at, go and, and work with that customer to see why aren't they paying and, and that part will be very, very beneficial for them. Any final thoughts on accounting tips for startups and existing business owners? A lot of it is just get to know your business. Yes, you know how to do the service or the product that you are, are, are very, very passionate about. But accounting is probably the thing that will help you run your business better more than anything else. It, it'll help see the numbers and, and do some trend lines and look at the future of the business and say, okay, uh, I need to go find a banker because these different circumstances are coming up. I want to go buy a piece of equipment. And sometimes a business can grow faster with buying, you know, utilizing debt. Now, there is a point in time and there's not a hard and fast rule of when but too much debt is not good also. It all depends on the interest rates and, and what you're buying and what that return on investment is. And so that's a, a, a large part of analyzing and, and understanding your, your financials 
and what your business can actually do and what it looks forward to. Right. Well, um, thank you for all of the wonderful tips. And as a getting us out of here question, I'm wondering if we could zoom out a little bit and talk about our broader entrepreneurship ecosystem and small business support in this community. And I know you you serve on the Startup Hutch board and I'm wondering if you just offer a few reflections as yourself, you know, a person who's you're in business as a partner at Adams Brown, right? What, what's what's your sense about the local community here and why do you volunteer some of your time to support entrepreneurs? Entrepreneurs are I, I, part of the ecosystem of our entire community. How do we continue to thrive? How do we continue to uh, desire other people to come into? It's You have to have an ecosystem. You have to have growth. Uh, no different than in a business, you have to have growth to sustain our, our entire environment, we have to have growth to sustain the, the community. And, and so it's just continuing that and, and really truly to help and give back time to those entrepreneurs of they don't, a lot of times start, somebody starting a new business does not know all these things and we can sure help them. Startup Hutch is here to help uh, overall to get them on the right path and, and get the right trainings out there. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you so much for your support and for your service to the community and for your time today. And thank you to our listeners. I also need to thank Bowercom for the cover art and Salt City Sound for the help with recording, editing, and hosting the podcast. You can find out more about Startup Hutch at StartupHutch.com or on most social media at Startup Hutch. I hope you'll do us a favor by sharing the podcast with a business owner that you know or an aspiring entrepreneur looking to get something going. Join us next time on The Hot Seat.